Hi, and welcome to ha- oh. Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> Is this all going to stay in the show? Uh, <laughs> yes, since you asked that, yes. Uh, damn it. Hi, and welcome to Hack the Net, where every week we delve into the darkest recesses of the internet to find something interesting or even comprehensible. I'm Matt Heron. I'm Jeff. I'm Louisa Heron. Jeff's got a mononym now. Yep. Yep. Unlike Beyonce or Madonna. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jeff, you are the most famous Jeff. It's true. Yeah, that's true. Jeff yeah, the Killer, def- that was about you. There are definitely no other famous Jeffs who have been in the news a lot for the past three or four years. <laughs> None that I can think of. <laughs> yeah, absolutely not. I don't read the news. <laughs> yeah. uh, there were definitely no famous Jeffs around the time when I was a small child, either. <laughs> in the late <laughs> 80s and early 90s. Uh, mm. the, the mannequin from today's special? <laughs> Oh man, I don't know. Uh, I was thinking of Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, but he's Jeffrey, and you get mad when people call you Jeffrey. He went by Jeff until uh, he became a serial killer, and then they always call serial killers by their full names, just in case. Jeff, you haven't become a serial killer yet, so we don't know what you're gonna where you're gonna go. Yeah, that's true. I wonder. it, did people call Epstein Jeff? Was he Jeff Epstein to people? Oh, who knows? <laughs> yeah, it's like Marty Scorsese, where it's like you—you you didn't, did you? Yeah, my you buddy never did that. Did my you? friend Bob De Niro. No, yeah, no, that didn't happen. Nobody calls him Bob to his face. He would kill you. It's not even that I'm scared of this weird old potato man. It's just like he doesn't. What? What? Who would ever be that? familiar with him on the other side mm. of it why like when your professional name is a child's name and you're an adult it's like yeah. you're 55 <laughs> nobody's calling you johnny anymore yeah stop yeah. being jimmy fallon okay yeah you're exactly you're james fallon okay <laughs> yes yeah. although then you come across things that are very funny like calling somebody james buffett is a very <laughs> funny joke that's true I'm, I'll accept Jim Parsons. He doesn't have to be James. Jim is fine. Jim, Jim is, is fine. an adult name. Yeah. yeah. Jimmy is, he's not Jimmy Parsons. Anything with a Y on the end is probably not for adults, right? Like Tommy Lee Jones? No, you are Thomas yeah. Jones. <laughs> Yo, Thomas Lee Jones sounds way cooler, actually. Uh, I'm gonna say Thomas Lee Jones sounds like a serial killer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Uh, okay. We always give serial killers three names. It's no good. Yeah. I do think it's very funny talking about, like, Tommy Lee Jones and uh, Robert De Niro. Like, these are all guys who especially in recent years with their feelings about the politics of the world and stuff, uh, really present themselves as these, like, extremely tough guy, like, hey, I'm gonna punch Donald Trump until he's in a coma, or whatever. And it's like, you're still an actor. Yeah. Though. <laughs> like, I know you've played a lot of tough guys, but you're an actor. Who's the you're last- not that scary. Who's the last actor was that was an actual real-life tough guy, do you think? Um, mm, this is complicated. I'm gonna say Mr. T. He wasn't. He wasn't a real life tough guy, though. He could have been, he but was, he was. He was a professional yeah, wrestler and a bouncer. A, oh, sure. Yeah, I thought you meant by. I thought you meant by attitude because he was just a sweetheart. Uh, no, 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 no. His attitude. He didn't project the attitude of a tough guy. He didn't need to. He was a sure. bouncer and he beat up people in Chicago for a living for many years. That's yeah. True. Yeah, but then I he think didn't that... threaten people, so I thought you were asking someone who threatened people, but you oh, thought no, like they no. could back it up. Uh-uh, because then that's easy. That's like any male actor. 
No, no, no. That's not what Matt's saying. (laughs) No, no, Jeff. Look, Jeff is talking about people who are tough, regardless of how they behave. Yeah. And Louisa is talking about people who behave tough, regardless of how they are. And what we're yeah. trying to find is an overlap. A yeah. person who behaves tough and actually is tough. And I don't know if there is one. Oh, no, I don't care if they behave tough, but... Uh... Right. We we <laughs> understand that's not what you were asking for, Jeff, but we <laughs> figured that one out. On? And okay. now we're trying Should to find it, out this other thing. Could it be someone like Schwarzenegger? Because he was like a bodybuilder and he would do physical things, but... Mm. but and he did talk yeah. tough. I think he just talked tough and had a body that could do tough stuff, but I don't think that he ever did tough stuff. That's fair. Yeah, I I feel like he used all of his strength to, like, seduce women, as Toughest opposed to, like, fight people. Actors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the trouble is like, I keep focusing on actors who became actors because they were uh, very physically, uh, like, they were athletes before that. And that's right, not yeah. the right way to go, I don't think. No. I think you want somebody, like... Has Jason Statham ever done, like, underground boxing? <laughs> or crimes? Is he a criminal? <laughs> he is, yeah. 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 But he did, he did, uh, Confidence Man crimes. Yeah, Con Man, not... I guess I should say. I don't know why I said <laughs> no. Confidence Man. <laughs> no, we're doing the long form only. <laughs> Actually, this is a good point. I've thought about this before. I love Con Men in fiction. It's one of my favorite fictional tropes. Mm-hmm. But I don't like the gendered term Con Man. Right. Is the gender-neutral term confidence trickster because that sounds stupid and terrible? I kind of like it, though. That's pretty good, I think. I mean, that's better than con person. Yes. It is it is an aesthetic of con man, but I don't think it covers all con men. That's true. But I think Jason Statham was that because he's told stories on late-night talk shows about the things he would do that weren't illegal at all. Yes. To trick people that he would stand in an alleyway, like in London, around the corner from a fancy jewelry store, and then right. as people would come out, he would sort of whisper to them and say, do they want a necklace? Because he had some. So he let them fill in the blanks that he'd stolen these necklaces from some of these fancy jewelry stores around, but he hadn't. They were just cheap, like, dollar store necklaces. Hmm. Yep. Yeah, you so he wasn't doing anything this. illegal. <laughs> You've definitely recounted this on the show before. I like it. I think. I, I mean, it's very cool. A con trick that involves only the person's own greed being their downfall yeah. is very good. But I want a term for all stripes of confidence person. Okay. I want someone who uses this confidence to, like, not only steal from people, but just in general, like, dominate their mental landscape. I want, like, a con-dom. A mind freak is what you want. Okay. (laughs) Actually, mind freak is very good. Uh, That covers all of it, right? Mind uh, freak. I really took you on a long walk for a bad joke yeah. there, and I love how Louisa didn't react yeah, I at didn't. all. I was trying to I solve the problem. Mad. I wasn't. A, <laughs> I wasn't going along the rose path of the joke. Yes. <laughs> uh, I think I found the answer for who's an actual tough guy, but he mm-hmm. does also go by a child's name. Uh, okay, Danny Trejo. Oh mm-hmm. yes, because uh, okay. he spent a lot of time in prison in his youth, and then became a, a boxer. <laughs> and overcame drug addiction, and always plays tough guys in movies. So I think that that contributes to him being both a badass in real life and in uh, his persona. That's true. But I feel like a lot like Mr. T, he also seems like the kind of guy who wouldn't... Yeah, probably. ...do stuff. Yeah. Who was that actor in the first Superman movie that threatened to murder Christopher Reeve? Gene Hackman. Gene Hackman? <laughs> no, that's <laughs> in the no. movie. Yeah. I'm like, you can't be talking about Gene Hackman. <laughs> no, not Gene Hackman. 
There was a guy who wrote an autobiography about how he had been a, um, like a professional hitman for the mob and then went into acting. Hmm. And he played like, uh, like some silent tough guy in the first Superman movie. And he hated Christopher Reeve. <laughs> and he talked about like going into Christopher Reeve's, uh, uh, dressing room at one point and being like, hi, I've murdered people before and I will murder you if you ever talk to me again. <laughs> and, uh, and like, Christopher Reeves confirmed that this happened <laughs> when he was still alive. That's crazy. It. Yeah, I think that that's actually pretty pretty great. Because I can see how Christopher Reeves was a dick, probably, right? No, everyone said he was so nice. I feel like if you watch Superman 1, you can see that kind of cockiness where you're like, mm, I can see how you'd be really annoying, actually. So, Matt, are <laughs> you saying character? he deserved to suffer that horrible accident? Because oh, that's Matt, cool. come on. Jeff, you're the one who's saying that right now, actually. Matt, I can't believe no you one else brought that, that opinion up. on our podcast. No one else brought that up. But it's you 100%. hate him so much. Just, just own your hatred, Jeff. You hate... No, I you like hate him. So much of the world, and including <laughs> Superman. I love him. He's my favorite, actually. <laughs> no, I hate the Batman. You hate Superman. Oh, okay. Let's team up and do a crime spree. <laughs> people ever. Only You're a people- real couple of uh, uh, yeah, mind we're- freaks. <laughs> yeah, we're we're uh, Poison Ivy and Harley Quinn. <laughs> yeah, only people who hate him call him <laughs> the Batman. Have you ever noticed mm-hmm. that? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's my bit to open the Tonight Show when I host it. <laughs> Man, it's going to be a very short bit. <laughs> when you go by Jeffy Kowalski. Oh, God, that's the worst. <laughs> yep. Isn't that the oh, family oh, wait, circus kid? I forgot you'd taken away your last name, so you'll just be Jeffy. Could you just... <laughs> just Jeffy. Could you flip it around since you already have an E sound at the end of your last name? Could you be Walski Kajeff? Absolutely not. I couldn't possibly be that. That's not a name. I hate that. <laughs> Walski Jeff is a great name. What are you no, saying? No, it's not. No. It's so good. Nice. Uh, I want to play a little game, a little game real quick with our, with our... <laughs> yeah, Matt no, let's really get it out. Matt really loves his own joke. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> quick, quick game! It's going to be closest without going over. How tall is Danny Trejo? Five nine, six four. <laughs> he is five feet six inches tall. Damn! It. Oh wow! Yeah, I Pretty- definitely also thought he was like a seven foot tall monster because he always <laughs> yeah. plays one in movies. I guess all of those like thick necked tough guys are actually way shorter than you thought because. To get that kind of body shape, you need to be pretty compact. Yeah, that's what they say. But I thought um, he was, you know, uh, a little bit taller. I thought he was, like, yeah. uh, commensurate with other actors. I guess not. Yeah. Uh, what did you do this week, Matt? Uh, so, I think I've mentioned on the show before, but I've been getting into a project where I am designing and inventing a new appliance, which is a combination cold smoker and... Um, dry curing cabinet. Mm-hmm. Have I talked about this before? Maybe. I don't think you have on the show. Okay. Also, I really love that you're doing the uh, synthesis of your love of cooking and your love of building things to become a mad scientist, and I think it's wonderful. Yes, I'm really super excited about it. And what's really exciting about it is, in addition to, I'm, I've already put together all of the electronic components 
and they're working, which is shocking, <laughs> because I had to write all of the code myself. Is it literally not- shocking? Uh, no, luckily not. <laughs> okay. um, but I've been researching very heavily how refrigeration systems work, mm-hmm. um, and I watched a ton of YouTube videos, and this is making me realize that uh, YouTube is, like, genuinely a miracle resource. Yes. Agreed. Because I have learned everything that I would probably learn in, like, a four-year HVAC course over the course of the past week. (laughs) (laughs) It's very good. It's very confident of you, also. Yes. Um, And I probably would kill myself if I tried to actually fix an HVAC unit, but uh, I now understand how air conditioners work, and more importantly, I don't know if you guys are aware of this, do you know that they invented a new form of air conditioning in the past year? That can't be true. Tell me. Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, okay. Are you, do you guys know what a swamp cooler is? Uh, no. it's where Shrek keeps his beer. Boo! <laughs> no, that was good. No, it's not. Um, <laughs> so, uh, wrong. <laughs> History will vindicate me. <laughs> um, so a swamp cooler is, like, one of those boxes that you get on the top of, like, a, uh, RV or like an outdoor cooling unit. Okay. And what it is, is it just blows air through a mist of water, and because the water condenses as it falls, uh, it absorbs energy, which cools the temperature of the air, so the air coming out is cooler than the air that goes in. Mm, like in old movies, when they would put a big block of ice in front of a fan. <laughs> Um, absolutely nothing like that, it's, no. It's more like those very cheap little desktop air conditioners you can get that you have to fill with water several times per day. Like the cool oh. zone you walk through in Disney World where they spray you with water and fans. No, 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 no. All of this is right. Mine it's like, right. no, it's not. Jeff, listen. All of those rely on basically the same thing as sweat, which is getting liquid on your skin, and then when it evaporates, it pulls energy out of your skin. This is... Doing that, but without the water getting on your skin, just passing through the air. <clears throat> it's like when you stand near a waterfall, the air is cooler, even though you're not getting wet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> also, so if you're standing that. near a waterfall, you are getting wet. You suddenly realize, oh no, <laughs> well, my clothes are soaked. <laughs> there is a distance away from the waterfall you can stand that is cool, but not wet. Okay. The, but anyway. The thing I described absolutely does not get water on your skin. Well, then why do you need to refill it with water? Because it has, like, a filter that gets soaked with water, and then it blows air through that, and the air comes out cooler in the same way. When the water gets hot, you have to throw it away. Well, okay, so this is sort of getting into this new thing. Okay. So the main problem with a swamp cooler... I mean, a good swamp cooler should not lose a lot of water over time, because it just keeps recycling the water. Mm -hmm. So I'm not sure what the thing Jeff is talking about is, but... Um, the, the downside is it adds a lot of humidity to the air yeah, because it's passing through that, that water. So they invented this new system where the cool air goes up a column at the same time that salt water goes down that column and the Hmm. salt water absorbs the liquid out of the cold air. And then the salt water, when it gets to the bottom, goes through a heating unit to like boil off some of that liquid and then goes back up to the top and then comes back down. And it's over twice as efficient as normal air conditioning, and it doesn't require any toxic chemicals at all. Huh. Isn't that crazy? How do you buy one of these? You can't. 
You have to make one, but you can build one for about $40. <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's the catch? It... I feel like there must be a catch. Yeah. I mean, you need to know an awful lot about physics to actually build one. There's a company in Germany that is now starting to build these for industrial use. Mm-hmm. Um, and certainly, like, you need to have a heck of a lot of air moving for it to cool in any way a large mm-hmm. amount of space. Okay. Um, but, like, I think it's definitely going to be a thing, uh, and people should start using these, because it's amazing how it uses solar power to boil off the desiccant, so it doesn't need any ex- extra electricity there. The whole system runs on, like, 120 watts, which is about the same amount of energy it uses to power your TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, like, works. It, it works pretty good. And the salt water <laughs> naturally kills... Uh, like, microparticles in your air, so it actually makes your air healthier to breathe. Hmm, that's pretty amazing. That's fun. Isn't that crazy? Yeah, yeah. it catches on. I'm wondering yeah. if parts of it need to be calibrated so carefully that it's hard to just knock one together. Yes, it's definitely hard to knock one together because you need to do an awful lot of calculations about the volume of liquid that is moving through in one direction needs to exactly balance Mm. the liquid going through in the other direction. And if it doesn't, you end up with like a reservoir that builds up and needs to be emptied over time, which isn't ideal. Yeah. Um, Where the air is too dry and then your skin gets all dried out and you turn into a mummy. Right. Well, and the other thing is it only works... No, actually... even with all this desiccant, it ends up making adding a little bit of humidity to the air, which is not ideal, but mm. you could probably fix that by making the desiccant tube longer. Mm-hmm. Anyway, this is all probably not interesting to anyone but me, but <laughs> the fact that I could just watch a bunch of YouTube videos and learn about this like cutting-edge technology, enough that I feel like I could probably build one, is crazy. Yeah, that's pretty good. <clears throat> Do it. Yeah. Uh, I don't own a home. Mm. Never mind. So don't do I it. don't. I won't because <laughs> I I'm not allowed. <laughs> build an RV and then build a cooling system for that RV. Yeah, I wonder if you could make it portable because right now it's like pretty big chunky tubes. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I thought was interesting is all of the stuff that I've learned about it uses like a vertical column tube. Mm-hmm. So the idea is the air comes in and then it rises as it cools and then the desiccant comes down the other way, but it's just going straight up. And I'm wondering if you could use like a zigzag radiator pattern to make it travel more, increasing the surface area so more water will condense out of the air, thus cooling it even further. Hold on, you said the air rises as it cools, and I noticed a problem there right away. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean to say there's a fan pushing it Oh, okay. Okay, I got you. So it cools by depositing the moisture out of it onto the walls of this tube. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yes, it is interesting. I like (laughs) it. It is, it actually is. (laughs) Um, so anyway, I, I highly recommend that the main, uh, the way that I stumbled on this is by finding a YouTube channel called Tech Ingredients, where an old man with a very terrible haircut, who is very clearly a physics teacher, uh, <laughs> shows you how to, like, how to build your own versions of all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it started with me learning how to build my own refrigerator, which, to tie back to the original project, is what I'm going to do uh, for my dry curing and cold smoker cabinet. That's pretty good. <clears throat> yep. So I need to get a bunch of Peltier circuits. What is mm-hmm. that? <laughs> 
It's a solid state, like, chip that's about, uh, maybe two inches square. But when you run a current through it, one side gets hot and the other side gets cold because of the, the path that the electrons take between two different types of semiconductor superconductors. Huh. <clears throat> so if you put a, a bunch of these chips against an, like a aluminum heat sink and then have a fan on the other side to blow that heat off and out, out of the cabinet into the world around it, uh, then not only does it cool down the inside of the cabinet, but it also condenses moisture out of the air because colder air holds less moisture. Perfect. It's It dry cures and it refrigerates. Wow. <clears throat> Slices, yeah. it dices. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this all sounds too good to be true. I know you started on this journey because you couldn't find a device that would just do what you wanted. But Correct. now that it sounds like you've got a really good angle on making one, I'm suspicious on why no one else is making them. <laughs> well, I think part of it is no one... Ha- it, I think that you could just buy two things to do this, <laughs> and it would probably be cheaper to buy two separate things to do this than to just have one. Okay. But for me... Dedicating that much space to dry curing and smoking is the real challenge. Yes. Um, so I'm building it this way. Also, like, I think there's a lot of people out there who don't put the thought into the difference between hot smoking and cold smoking. Yeah. And, like, most people don't want to smoke their meat at all. Mm-hmm. They just buy smoked meat if they want meat. That's true. Yeah, those people are lazy. <laughs> I mean, genuinely, when I looked for dry curing cabinets, the the only ones that I could find were for industrial use only and were like $4,000 and could dry cure like 700 pounds of meat a day. So yeah. what's your what's your next project? A barn in which to keep all of your cows so that you can <laughs> slaughter them to turn into dried beef? <laughs> I mean, like, I could make that. I could get there. Yeah, if I had the land. Homesteading, so, homesteading. So for our <laughs> listeners, if you want to contribute to my Kickstarter to buy 10 acres in Montana <laughs> so that I can become a crazy survivalist. I think you only need like 40 bucks for that, right? That might be true. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Oh, God. <laughs> I wouldn't want to build my own house, though. A lot of people do that, and that seems like you would do it and then be like, I'm pretty sure this house is great. And then one morning you'd wake up and like the floor had fallen out of your bathroom or whatever. (laughs) You'd be like, Oh shit, I did something wrong. (laughs) You'd have no one to blame but yourself though. So it would be fine. No, it would be terrible. You feel so much worse. Yeah, I already blame myself way more than I probably should. (laughs) And it would be far more insidious. You'd like think you framed up a window really well and then find out two years later that rain has just been pooling inside the wall because you made one small mistake. Yep. Now there's a bunch of mosquitoes in there. Yep. In the walls. (laughs) Oh, God. They have tenant leases somehow. I can't evict them without 30 days' notice. Oh, yeah, they have squatters' rights. Yep. (laughs) Oh, man, this is stupid. (laughs) It sure is. The whole show, or? (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh, Alright, anyway, Louisa, what did you do this week? Uh, not a heck of a lot. I intended to start an art project, which I've only barely started sketching out, so I won't really talk about that. Um, but I did watch, uh, Eurovision Fire Saga on Netflix, the movie. This is, this is the Will Ferrell movie? Yes. 
Okay. And it was pretty good. I think I recommend it to people if they like Will Ferrell's stuff. Wait, you think you recommend it, or you recommend it? I want to know more about what they like in a Will Ferrell movie, because it's not very ridiculous, really. Okay, so is it more of a, like, Stranger Than Fiction feel of him? No, it's definitely a comedy, but uh, it's a lot like The Pitch Perfect, let's say, if people have seen that. Okay, so there's, like, genuine drama, and it's mostly comedic. Yes, and, of course, just like Pitch Perfect, it's all about trying to get to make a musical performance. Uh, in this one, the these two people from Iceland, from nowhere in Iceland, are uh, able to get into Eurovision through a series of mishaps. <laughs> and, I mean, is there anywhere Iceland? Reykjavik? Ooh, got him. Got him. <clears throat> I, I need to say, Reykjavik. like, even when I've never really watched Eurovision, but I often hear, like, in these places like Iceland and Norway and stuff like that, it's like, yeah, this guy is a, you know, meat slicer at a deli, mm-hmm. and now he's also singing at Eurovision. Like, everyone at Eurovision is from nowhere and, and nobody, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that's maybe the appeal of Eurovision. Yeah, but even in this show, uh, there's someone more favored to go from Iceland. Ah, series okay. of mishaps, etc., etc. Uh, but I like it a lot. If you like the kind of corny pop music that ends up in Eurovision, they did a great job faking it. You hear several different performance songs, and they do a good fake of uh, some of the different styles, so that's fun. Oh, okay, so it's got like a bunch of like written-for-the-movie fake pop songs? Yes, it does. That's oh, that sounds my, fun. That's one of my favorite genres of music, if I'm being honest. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's that's the only reason that Josie and the Pussycats is such an amazing movie. <laughs> so then I think I probably recommend this highly to both of you. Uh, Maybe. Yeah. I also, I despise Will Ferrell, so it would be a real toss-up for me. He plays it very straight. Maybe straighter than any other comedy he's been in, I think. Mm, Okay, maybe I'll give it a look. I'm always a little baffled by his choices, but I kind of admire that I think as he's gotten older and has more pull in Hollywood, he can kind of just do whatever he wants. And I guess he just wanted to do this for some reason, so he did. Yeah. Okay. The cover of the box, or the cover of the I don't know, the poster of the movie or whatever (laughs) the fuck I'm saying. Yes. uh, Basically makes it look like it's just the incredible Burt Wonderstone style (laughs) of comedy. So it's not that? No, not at all. I think what they're trying to go for with that look is that, like, hyper-focused, luminous colored, like, look of a shiny Eurovision thing. Right, okay. It's a bit misleading, I think. But, yeah, it's a cute little movie. Uh, Dan Stevens is, uh, uh, you want to say the villain, but what I liked about this movie is you see things set up in a very simple story kind of way, but then you find out near the end that the people you thought were the villains, like, it's far more complicated than that. So, that's really nice. I do like that in a movie. Yes, I I was very surprised with where they went with it, so, I like that. Yeah, that's, uh, not something I expect from a Will Ferrell comedy. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And uh, Rachel McAdams is the other lead, and she has, uh, the thing about her character is she's supposed to be a very good singer, so she does have someone singing for her, and the person who sings for her is very good, so. Hmm. Okay. It's fun. It's a fun movie. I don't know if I like Rachel McAdams or not. I feel like she's done a lot of, oh, that was, that sounded creepy the way way you said it. (laughs) No, I think that she's. Oh, I do. That's <laughs> eh, just because of the way my voice sounds when I talk about women. <laughs> it's not my fault. You just can't hide it sometimes. 
Um, I don't know. Like, I think I've liked her in what I've seen her in. I mean, I don't know. What has she been in? The, the Notebook, which I did not particularly care for. Mean Girls. She was one of the mean girls. Yeah. Oh, but she had blonde hair in that, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. She often has blonde yeah. hair. Okay. She looks weird with blonde hair, right? <laughs> All right. I don't know. Uh, did you see that Robert Downey Jr. Sherlock Holmes? She's in that. Oh, yeah. That movie sucked, but oh, she, she was, was all right in it. She was Doctor Strange's girlfriend in that very forgettable movie. Oh, she was movie, terrible in that. <laughs> yeah, she didn't have anything was. to work with. To be that fair, movie sucked. yeah, I was gonna say nothing about that movie was good. I don't get it. People talk about that movie as if it was like a middle of the road. I think it's probably the worst of that franchise. Yeah, I think it had very cool special effects, and when people and remember it. it, that's really what they remember. And they're like, "Yeah, it was pretty good," but it wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> It was just like, oh, what if Iron Man but magic instead of robot? Yeah. I think people, I think that people have a hard time understanding when s- something that is comedic is good or not. Yeah, yes. that's true. People have very poor taste in comedy. <laughs> that's true. I, f- <laughs> I feel like the reason that people are kind of mixed up about Doctor Strange is because a lot of it has jokes ish. In it? I would call them jokes-ish, for sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so, like, I think that someone watching it would be like, well, it's not a very good action movie, and it's not very interesting plot-wise, but it's funny? Yeah. But it's not funny, but they think it might be? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Um, yeah. Uh, I, I- Are you interested in watching the new one? The next one, Jeff? Or yes. Louisa? Uh, I was interested before because uh, I hadn't realized that the Scott Derrickson, who directed the first one and was directing the sequel, normally directs horror movies, and they were kind of going to let him cut loose on this next one. Uh, but, yeah, it could be good as a horror movie. Uh, he left, oh, which <laughs> which made me sad, but then they hired Sam Raimi to replace him. Oh, uh, no! So, Matt, Matt, you're going to hate it, but I will oh, probably fuck. like it because that guy's capable at making scary things. Fuck. No, he's not. He's only capable <laughs> at making gross things. That's like scary. Wait, what, was, what has he made that's been scary? Uh, both evil, three Evil Dead movies. Were those None scary? None of those were scary, they were just disgusting. I didn't see them, okay. They are horror movies, though. They're horror movies, but the quote-unquote scares of them are all d- just... Look how gross this is. Look how gross this zombie is. Look how weird this lady's eye is. Uh, does Darkman count? No. no. That's a superhero okay. movie. Uh, Drag Me to Hell? That movie is gross and not scary. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. The Gift, which I don't know what it is, but it seems to be a horror movie from the year 2000? I did not see that, so I can't comment. He was attached for a long time to a uh, Discworld project, which never came to fruition, which is probably the best. Do any Discworld projects come to fruition? (laughs) Yeah, they make a lot for British TV to make success. They're all bad, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah, there's. I forgot that Watch TV show is actually finally getting made. I will not watch it. Having seen just the stills from it, I'm like, fuck, man. They're just doing, like, Percy Jackson. (laughs) Like, that's the look they go for. Who is it for? Because, like, Louisa, you're probably the biggest Discworld fan I know, and if it's not for you, who is it for? (laughs) Exactly. People who Uh, really miss uh, Game of Thrones and Law and Order UK. 
<laughs> I feel like at the time they started pitching it, it was Game of Thrones uh, mania, and it, if it had gone in that direction, I think that could have been very good. But instead, it seems to have gone in like, I don't know, what's popular now? Rain or something? Where it's like, it's medieval, but it's not really. Like, ah, I hate this. Carrot is not the tallest member of the cast, which I already don't like. No, that's no good. Uh, the guy who they cast as Vimes is yeah, perfect. He's, pretty good. Yeah. he's the perfect choice, I think. But Isn't everyone he, else looks wait, awful. I need to look this person up now. He's uh, from Game of Thrones. But he's not Ian Glenn, who I always thought would be the perfect Vimes. I always thought I, I thought when I'd seen pictures of this before that he was too young to play Vimes. I, I just posted a link to the, the like, first screen that came out of him. <clears throat> he he does look a little young, but he's got, he like, a little young, a little yeah. salt and pepper in his beard. Yeah, he's I'm okay way too young. I mean, I guess if this is, like, from the first book, maybe? But Vimes only really gets good when he's, like, old enough that he doesn't want to do it anymore. Yeah, he's yeah. over 50, right? By the time we get to know him? I don't actually remember. I think he must be. Yeah. I mean, in the first book, you see him, he's already, like, the captain of the police force and, like, late 30s at the youngest, I think. Yeah. And then I don't know. a lot of things happens to him over the course of his life. Whatever they're making yeah. here, though, I don't like the look of this. No, none of this is good. Why does this woman have so much eyeliner on? Yeah. What is that? What is <laughs> yeah. the aesthetic there? Are, are they friends with a big rock monster? Yes. yes. He's on the uh, okay. watch. Yeah, he Detri appears to be... Detritus? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, there's a big rock monster in the, like, full cast shot they revealed. And I think maybe uh, I was mistaken about Carrot, because I saw another picture of him standing next to this uh, small blonde person that Vimes is in the picture with, and he seems to be extremely enormous. So maybe it's just weird perspective in the composite photo. Yeah. I mean, this this small blonde person... It's supposed to be Angla. Gotta be... Oh, really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. I thought for sure it was, um, what's her name? Cheery? Yeah. The, the, the dwarf? dwarf? But no, no, no. Oh my god, no. <laughs> this is gonna be terrible. Uh, yeah, pretty much. Oh, I don't man. like to think about it. <laughs> I don't like how they have to put new spins on everything. I guess they do just to get them made, but I don't like that. That's the problem with adapting a book. You kind of want it to just be the book, but it never can be. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know. I think that you could do a TV show based around Discworld and have it be faithful-ish, at least in tone, which this doesn't look like it's aiming for, and, yeah. uh, uh, Terry Pratchett's daughter has already been like, I'm not involved in this one, we're doing a different thing. <laughs> I think you could do an animated series where you got pretty close, but I don't know if you could do a live-action one. I think the problem is, in order to do a live-action one... Uh, that was, like, looked and felt right, you would need to have the kind of budget that a Game of Thrones had. Yes. Mm. And because it's not a drama, I don't think it would ever be taken seriously enough to get that kind of budget. Because it's supposed to be a comedy, and you can't have a high-budget comedy. I don't think it, that ever has worked. Yeah. No, I agree. Yeah. Uh, it's a shame, too, because, like... Why does comedy have to be the one where it's all handheld cameras and no special effects? Yeah. 
I think yeah, it's too subjective. But, like we were talking yes. before about how people don't know what comedy is. I feel like they, if you tried to make a really complicated, very good, witty comedy, people would feel like it was making them feel dumb and they wouldn't like it. Yeah, the mm. thing is, in order to make a high-budget thing profitable, it needs to appeal to everyone. Yeah. And you can appeal to everyone's sense of drama or everyone's sense of horniness, like <laughs> Game of Thrones did. But you cannot appeal to everyone's sense of humor, because oh. everyone's sense of humor is so different. Also, for movies, uh, in totally a reasonable way, nothing to do with a sense of humor or not, it would be very hard to translate a very good comedy into other languages and have it hit the same way. Mm, good point. Yeah. That's true. Yeah, comedy, for, well, like, localized comedy always, in, like, whenever I'm reading a, a Japanese manga that's supposed to be comedic, yeah. there's always, like, so many explanations in the back that are like, okay, so here's <laughs> yeah. what you need to know about 5,000 years of Japanese history to understand this one panel joke. Yeah, the joke Help. about people from this city really liking pork chops is that... <laughs> yeah, even, even, like, when Jen and I watch British comedies, I have to explain a lot of the jokes to her and yep. a lot of the jokes I don't even get. Yep. Yeah. I'm like, wait, is this part of Gloucester like looked down upon by the other parts of Gloucester? Yep. This name that someone just said, is this a celebrity in the tabloids that I've never heard of? <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I, I it took me a long time to uh, figure out that Robbie Williams was a real famous person in Britain, because he is not famous in the United States. Uh, he had Millennium, that song that came out in the Millennium. Mm, I think you're thinking of Willennium. Oh, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking we of have, Will Smith the whole time. Yes. Uh, in America, we have Will Smith, and in the UK, they have Robbie Williams. We are not the same. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so that's it for me. Uh, I do recommend Eurovision Fire Saga, which is on Netflix, if you like a light, simple comedy that's just nice uh, musical numbers to look at, which I do. Uh, Jeff, what did you do this week? Uh, man, uh, yesterday I decided I wanted to go hang out outside, and uh, I went to the beach and got a very bad sunburn on my legs. Oh no. Um, which beach? Which, uh, I went to a beach down at the south end of Staten Island. It was like an hour drive, um, which was, you know, it's pretty cool to be able to drive an hour and go to a beach that there's not many people on and still technically be in New York City. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. it's strange. Um, but I'm just like, I'm desperate for things to do outside. Yeah. Um, so what are some of your favorite, like, what are your tricks and tips for, for hanging out outside, or are you both indoor people only? I definitely prefer indoors. Yeah, me too. Um, uh, I like if uh, I can sit somewhere in a reasonably comfortable chair under a big tree. I really yeah. enjoy that. <laughs> get one of those, I don't know, you probably already have one, but if you don't, get one of those uh, folding chairs that folds up into a tube. One of those fabric <laughs> folding chairs. I have... Just because that's the biggest thing for me when I'm outside. If I'm going to be outside, fine. But I, if I have to sit on the ground, absolutely not. <laughs> yeah, I'm I'm lucky in that there's a lot of public parks near me, and so I can usually find a bench. Mm -hmm. um, but I also do have a like fold up lounge chair that I keep in my car, uh, mm. and I sat in that on the beach yesterday for like an hour, hour and a half. So that was pretty good. nice. Um, uh, go ahead. Matt? What? Me? <laughs> oh, I yeah, you were about to say you, something. You made it sound like you were going to talk. Uh, I mean, I guess I did, but I, but then Jeff said another thing, so then my thing didn't work anymore. So. <laughs> oh, whoops. No, oh, it's wow. fine. 
yeah, I don't know. I just, I like trying to find little hidden places outside. One of my uh, recurring ones lately is a, a disused Little League baseball field up <laughs> up near the ferry to Rikers Island. Oh man, that's like have the saddest start, thing in the world. Yeah, start, it's so sad. Have you, start, have you started dressing as the ghost of like a train conductor to keep people away from it or whatever? <laughs> uh, no, I've started dressing uh, as the ghost of an old-timey prisoner. <laughs> That's pretty good. Uh, like covered in covered in seaweed and dripping water, so it looks like I died swimming away from Rikers. <laughs> so you, it looks like you died drowning while playing baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I dress like shoeless Joe Jackson. <laughs> I put on him, huh? <laughs> really thick Ray Liotta eyeliner, and everyone is scared away instantly. <laughs> yep, that was Ray Liotta, right? I think so. Shoeless yeah, Joe in Field of Dreams. I think it was. I remember yeah. him in the movie, I think. Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> he no has he has a very thick uh natural eyeliner or wears a lot of eyeliner in all of his film roles. Mm, hard to say. Hard to say. Uh, I did you say did you say natural eyeliner? Yeah, and I yeah. know what Jeff's talking about, because I was about See? to say <laughs> I get really mad when men uh will complain, like regular men, that they have very uh, thick eyelashes and people always compliment them. Like, fuck you, buddy. <laughs> How dare you complain about that? Yeah, I hate regular men also. <laughs> well, I mean, not like people in movies where you're not sure if they put makeup on or anything. Like, regular people who are not wearing makeup. Yeah, I realize that the thing I just said sounded sarcastic, but I genuinely do hate regular men. <laughs> they are the worst. Yes. You That's only fair. like it, you only like it when men uh, have trouble pooping. <laughs> God. Uh, no I, regular we need, men. We don't need to go there. No, we don't. <laughs> but yeah, I do I, think that I do think that all of the things that make a man "quote unquote" a regular man uh, is are the worst things about man men. That's right? true. Yes. Yeah. Weirdos are better every time. Yes. So I Jeff, love you that <laughs> ZZ Top song, "Regular Man," <laughs> regular dressed man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that would be a great song. <laughs> Weird Al, where are you? Yeah. Uh, Jeff, so this baseball field, how far is it from you? Because you say this is your regular haunt, literally, because uh, you're a ghost. Uh, with my scooter, everything is, like, very close. Okay. Uh, I would say it's less than a mile away. It takes me maybe ten minutes to scoot there. Well, that's pretty good. Yeah. Now, Jeff... I realize that your knee-jerk reaction to my next question is going to be dis- to dismiss it out of hand, as per usual. Okay. But really think about this. You're one step away from just joining a sports league. How do you, like, mm-hmm. you could do that, and then you'd have something to do outside and make friends. Uh, I don't know if there's any sports leagues running, uh, but I would consider doing that. I like to play sports. Yeah, you should join a softball league. Mm, I'm too <laughs> young for that. What? <laughs> Yeah, softball is for old people. You're, you thinking have to be of ten- a- You're thinking of tennis, Jeff. You have to be a 55-year-old man to play softball, or a teenage this girl. Is, this is the wildest belief <laughs> I've ever strange, heard in Jeff. my entire life. It's true, though. There's a, softball, there's a softball field across the street from my house. Is there a difference a softball- between a softball field and a baseball field? No, but... Okay. And... There is a softball league that meets there every weekend, even now, which I think is very stupid and bad, yeah. but um, it's all exclusively, like, late 20s, early 30s people who are probably in, like, some kind of singles league or something. Oh, maybe they're yeah. doing it ironically. Maybe that's the new thing. <laughs> I don't... 
Jeff, why do you think this is an old people sport? <laughs> Nothing it about is. it is that. It's not, Jeff. Come on. What are you saying? <laughs> I've never even heard of senior softball. Is that a thing? I'm going to look it up. Also, I've noticed that Little Leagues have been playing this entire time because people want their kids to die. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I can't I, blame them. Outdoor activities are fairly low risk. I don't know, but you say that, and yet the Major League Baseball's been saying that they've been taking as many precautions as they can, and fucking every day, like, 20 more players have COVID. Because they congregate indoors for working out and locker room stuff. Ooh, locker room stuff, like hand jobs. (laughs) Yeah, they they congregate for indoor stress relief in the locker room. Yeah, yeah, we know what that means, thanks. Um, (laughs) Matt already said hand jobs, we got it. I did say hand jobs, I covered it. Uh, No, listen... The thing is, though, I feel like outdoor activities in general are probably fine, but if you're running, a, like, running, playing softball up to a person who's, like, darting the plate and basically spitting directly into their mouth, mm-hmm. I feel like that's not good. Matt, what is this horny version of baseball that you've been watching? <laughs> you're the one who talked about hand jobs and old people! That was you! <laughs> you implied it heavily. I just... I, I didn't imply words, it until after you said it. I just put words to what you were saying, Jeff. Uh-huh. We're always patting each other's butts, though. Come on. Baseball's mm, Yeah, that's true. true. Baseball's the horniest sport. Oh, that's, that can't it? be true. Yeah, that what about swimming? What about uh, football? Olympic mm. wrestling. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, yeah. I don't know what you call that, because you can't call it professional wrestling, because that's the fake version. Greco-Roman yeah. wrestling, they call it. Sure. That's the What's one that? that's horny. What about, like... Yacht racing. I feel like I feel like that's a sport where a lot of like well put together people do it and have a lot of time with nothing to do. (laughs) I think Uh, while you're doing the sport, while you're doing the sport of yacht racing, you could be fucking. Is all I'm saying. How how many sports do you say that about? Only luge. Only if you are an extreme (laughs) daredevil. But the thing about yacht racing, I think, is I, I believe now they can have co-ed teams for their yacht races, which takes away some of the um, tension of the forbiddenness of... The uh, homoeroticism yeah, that's exactly. so delicious. Is that, is that necessary <laughs> to raise the horniness of the sport? I don't know, because it's like the potential, the potential horniness, like the potential energy of the sport. Okay. Like, I feel like in the old days when you couldn't have co-ed things, uh, crews, it was as horny, but that horny was less realized, maybe? Mm, I feel like it was more realized. It was more taboo? Yeah, but anything goes at sea, right? Uh, I don't know. I guess so. I feel like the kinds of people who race yachts are also the kind of people who would deny their homosexual urges, though. Is that true? Mm, No, they'd indulge them on the yachts at sea. Yeah, or in the locker room. And then they go back home and pretend that they never did it. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah, okay. So yacht yacht racing has always been horny then. What about yeah, fencing? Turns out. Fencing's no. pretty horny, huh? You, can't, you don't even touch anything. you don't even touch the other person's body with your body. Not yet. You only yet. touch it with a stick. Yeah, it's like the forbidden fruit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't uh, know. You can't even see the other person's face. You could be mm, fe- mm-hmm. You could be fencing with some kind of robot and not even know. That seems like that can't be that horny. They take off their mask and shake out their beautiful robot hair. And you fall in love. <laughs> it's made of 
It's made of loose wires. <laughs> Sparks everywhere. Steel wool. Christ. <laughs> this is a stupid show. <laughs> uh, is it wiki time? Yeah. Yeah, let's do this. Okay, cool. Uh, so I rolled us a wiki, and I got Star Trek Expanded Universe wiki. Uh-huh. Hooray! We all know a little bit about this. Yeah, that's uh, I know. specialty. <laughs> I know about the main canon of Star Trek. I would say I have never engaged with the Star Trek Expanded Universe. I read a couple comics when I was a kid, and maybe like two or three of the books from Next Generation when I was a kid. I've read some of the Deep Space Nine novels. Mm. How are they? Um, bad? <laughs> <laughs> I like that you read the novels tied to um, one of the like lesser Star Trek series. It's my favorite Star Trek series. Yeah, everyone says it's the best one is the problem. I see. Okay. That makes sense. It's, it's the Empire Strikes Back of Star Trek, where like when it first came out, everyone was like, uh, I don't know, but then in the in hindsight of the whole uh, everything, people were like, oh wait, actually that was clearly the best one. Matt, I think you're confused. The Empire Strikes Back is Star Wars. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, uh, so on this uh, wiki, I'm just seeing a plain gray background. Is there a better one? Uh, I'm seeing like uh, a bunch it looks of like there's like stacked rectangles uh, that squares seem to be like a vaguely it? technological like like a or like marble that, like, techno board. camo pattern that you see sometimes on modern soldiers. Weird. Yeah. Okay. Uh, home. Welcome to the Star Trek Expanded Universe. Steu is an encyclopedia and database like Memory Alpha or Memory Beta. Except for Star Trek's fan works instead of canon or license works. Um, oh, this is I see. Yeah, expanded, expanded universe. I thought, yeah, because Memory Beta is the expanded universe wiki. I thought this was just going to be a clone of that. No, it's even stranger. This is the Star it's, Trek fanon wiki, basically. Yeah, it says in here RPGs. Is this fan made RPGs? I guess it would. Need to yeah, be. Maybe. Because it does say huh. fan works include fan fiction, fan films, fan created audio dramas, RPGs, and more, both past and present. I think they're saying fan created RPGs. Uh, fan created audio dramas sounds like a pretty good idea, actually. Oh, like, you know if, what? if you wanted to do a Star Trek series and you just did it as like a podcast or something, that could that could be good. It yeah, could Star be Trek. Good, but it could be bad. And I it would hesitant. be bad. <laughs> It could be good, but it would be bad. Uh, Star Trek seems like it's in the same realm as Doctor Who, where there's definitely people who are only and primarily into the audio drama version of it. Yeah. Yes, that's certainly true. It is also like Doctor Who in that there are certainly people who think that the only good one is the worst one, which is to say the very old one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, interesting end to this uh, welcome, which is STEU is not a storytelling venue or a host for fan fiction itself. All articles here must be sourced and properly attributed. If you're looking for a place to create your own stories, there are many fan fiction archives and other online hosts where you can post your work, which is uh, different from most of the fan encyclopedias we go to, which should just be encyclopedias, but in fact are just forums where people bullshit their stories. Uh, this makes me want to talk about something that I think, I, I hope this doesn't uh, embarrass you, Louisa, and if it does, then Jeff, you, I might have to ask you to cut it out, but do you remember when we were kids, the only fan fiction that we ever read, which was, uh, well, I don't know, you might have read some on your own, but what we read together, 
which was uh, the Mystery Sites Theater 3000 fanfiction. Yes, that where, was pretty good. <laughs> where people wrote uh, MST3K characters making fun of other fanfiction, usually Star Trek fanfiction. Yes. When That's I think so about people- so depressing to me. <laughs> I agreed, agreed now. But when I think about people writing terrible fanfiction for Ben 10 or whatever, that's what's mm-hmm. in the back of my mind, that you need sometimes a way in to develop your own sense of humor. And I think reading the MST3K, the fake MST3K fakes of fake Star Trek stories really helped me develop my own sense of humor. Yeah, it was definitely, the jokes were almost good mm-hmm. but were. often weren't good yes um but i do agree with you that like i appreciate that even when they were making fun of the stories they weren't like mean about it right it helped me distinguish when i would write my own things help me distinguish uh the difference between just saying this sucks which isn't really very funny if you look at it and making fun of the way in which something isn't good which can be very funny Yes, and it also, I think, is helpful when you're working on writing. I think a lot of people, especially young people, and especially fan fiction writers, convince themselves that something that they're doing is, like, new or, like, a clever take on things mm-hmm. when it's actually been done a, a billion times. Yes, no one knows the tropes when they're young. <laughs> yes, exactly, and it is kind. Of, it is good to read that and be like, oh, yeah, another character who, like... Every time that somebody said fire at will, like, they never said that on Star Trek The Next Generation, and that's a very weird thing to say all the time, but every story had it in it. (laughs) Oh, man. Very good. Yep. Um, I think that this is an interesting wiki because Star Trek is, like, the original hyper-fandom of people who are Mm -hmm. just into that and so into it that they decide to make their own things of it. Yes. Like... Mm, Battlestar Galactica, maybe? Uh, Star Trek fandom is older than that. Yeah. Okay. Um, Battlestar Galactica started in, like, 78, I think. Yeah. Um, but it's just, like, conventions and cosplay and all that, uh, like came to the forefront with Star Trek fandom. So I think that uh, unlike the other fan work wikis, this one seems like a good idea. Yeah, I think it really opens itself up to that, because as a serial, as a series, it didn't focus so much on one set of stories that felt like the main thing. Like, I feel like Star Wars is a story of the characters of Star Wars, pretty much. Yeah. But Star Trek, because they went to a different planet every time, it let you think of it as this open world where you could put your own story into it. Yeah, and it's like, the actors weren't particularly good, so you could just have <laughs> other people do it, and it wouldn't really break it for you. Yeah. It also, easily lets you think, what if there was a different ship? What if I went to a different world that was like this, etc.? Yeah. Also, it does a thing that I've talked about before on this show, which is, missing from a lot of modern stuff of having every episode use the same characters and have the same format, but not be necessarily connected to one another. Yeah. So that you could sit down and write a story in Star Trek The Next Generation universe, and if somebody said, like, oh, when in the timeline did this happen? You could be like, "Mm, doesn't matter. Yeah. Yes. Agreed. There's not as many anthology things now. Right. Like, they had a little bit of of ongoing, overarching plot lines and stuff like that, but by and large, 
you could sit down and watch any episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, and it would stand alone, and you'd understand what was going on, and, like, you wouldn't need a whole lot of the other episodes to explain it to you. True. Yeah. Um, I, I... Are you aware of any of the, like, Star Trek continuations? The, like, uh, fan-made, fan-made continuations? I know about that bot that writes new episodes for the the seasons that never aired, (laughs) which is very funny. Uh, there is one that was formerly called Star Trek New Voyages, where they're just like, well, the original Star Trek got, uh, did not complete their five-year mission, so let's finish it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they produced a bunch of episodes on, like, a recreation of the set. Um, and I'm trying to find the, like, right one, if this is the right one. Uh, there was one where, uh, Grant Imahara played Sulu. Aww. Yeah, uh, rest in peace. Um, yeah, but, I, have, I have seen clips of that, yes. Yeah, uh, I don't, I, actually, I don't think that that is this one. There, see, that's the thing, there's so many... <laughs> Several different people have been like, what if we just made more Star Trek? Yes. Which is interesting that so many people got on board with that. (laughs) Um, If if you don't follow this Twitter bot uh, and you are interested in this stuff, you should. Uh, It's (laughs) at Star Trek AI. And just to just now I'm scrolling through the feed. Uh, Deep Space Nine season 11, episode 16, tacking into the wind. Oda's gone kind of quiet, and Cisco worries what he might be thinking about. <laughs> That's very good. It's so good. I would watch that episode. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Um, uh, yeah. Th- this spot is uh, incredible. I think it might be random pages time. Okay. Yeah. Oh, let's yeah? do it. Star Trek continues was the one. Wait, Louisa, did you read all the stuff? Um, I didn't read the numbers. Do you want to hear number? Actually, are there numbers? Yes, there are. <clears throat> Uh, the, the Star Trek Expanded Universe, the wiki encyclopedia for Star Trek fanworks and fan productions, there are 14,243 articles on this wiki. Warning, this wiki contains spoilers. Uh-oh. Dun, dun, dun. Oh, no, not spoilers for Star Trek fan films. <laughs> this seems to be actually looking just below that latest releases, and it tells you things that have been posted March, June, July this year. Uh, episodes that have been posted. I guess this is a lot more rigorous than most fan things, where they kind of let people just drop everything immediately, like everyone wants to do. But these people are actually going through with writing episodes. Yeah, I mean, I do appreciate that there's some kind of structure to this, of, like, it it needs to rise to this level to be valid to be on this wiki. Mm -hmm. It can't just be you being like, hey, what if Penny met a dinosaur? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I got a random page. I got uh-huh. TDAC. Uh, TDAC is an Antaran civilian. Put it in the chat. Put it yeah, in the I'm chat. I'm doing it. I'm reading it while I do it. Don't do that. Let us read it along with you so that we can comment. <laughs> okay, it's in the chat. <laughs> okay, I was trying to you. stall for time. Uh, <laughs> TDAC is an Antaran civilian from the Beta Antares Four. Uh, served as the head chef of the Prometheus <laughs> starting in 2378. Did they have chefs that late in the Star Trek series? Yeah, because, like, why would they? Well, I feel like Star Trek, for all the series of it, the actual official series, they would say, you know, this job has become obsolete, so don't worry about it. But then later they'd be like, actually, maybe we want to have somebody do that job, so this person just really wants to do the job. But, 
And I think that that makes some kind of sense in the world that they've set up, where it's like, oh, like, Sisko's dad working as a chef on Earth? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, because while you could always get replicated food, you might want to try new things. And right. in order to create and make up those new recipes, you need to have people still working as chefs. But to be on a ship as the chef, like, yeah. we don't need that. <laughs> yeah. Maybe he worked um, at a special, like, restaurant on the ship. I mean, I know for a fact that, like, what's that dipshit's name? <laughs> um, the guy from Voyager who everyone hated? Neelix. Neelix. <laughs> Was a chef, but that's because their replicators didn't work very good. Yeah, maybe the uh, the starship Prometheus has bad replicators as well. Yeah, maybe it's also in the Delta Quadrant or whatever. Yeah, the Sigma Quadrant. It's even worse. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when is twenty three seventy eight in the Star Trek timeline? Is oh, that in uh, Next Generation times? Um, I believe it is right after the original series. Oh, I found it. It is during Voyager. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, Uh, because I think it's 2399 is when the series Picard takes place. Hmm. Okay. And he's like 115 years old or something in it. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, this is not important. Nope. Uh, Star Trek Prometheus (laughs) appears to be a series of... Uh, fan fictions set in a timeline of some of the novels, uh, okay. including some of the novels that were written by William Shatner. Hmm. Oh, no. All right. <laughs> yeah. I'm okay with it. I like this guy's quote. It's very fan fiction-y, but also it's so melodramatic and, like, fake cool. It could have been on the one of the series as well, I feel like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Are you going to um, read it, or are you just going to make I, our... I was going to let Jeff read it if he wanted to, because oh. it's his page. Okay. If he doesn't, okay. I will read it. Uh, T-Dak, prior to becoming history, prior to becoming a Starfleet chef, T-Dak was considered a master chef on Beta Antares 4. When asked why he gave up running his own restaurant on Beta Antares 4 to become a chef on a Starfleet vessel, T-Dak would never give a straight answer. T-Dak kept a phaser and a medkit hidden under the serving counter in the Prometheus's mess hall in case of emergencies. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, prior to Tana Maliak being assigned to the Prometheus, T-Dak served as an unofficial counselor. I really don't like how this paragraph has zero commas. Yeah. Yeah, I don't like that either. Uh, it doesn't need them, though. There are no independent clauses. There are some places where commas would be useful. <clears throat> anyway, the quote uh, is what I was getting at, yeah. Oh yeah, that's for me to know, and you not to find out. T-Dak, when Ha-ha, asked why burn. he gave up running his own restaurant on Beta Terry's 4 to become a chef on a Starfleet <laughs> So this guy is just a ripoff of Garak, yes? I don't know Maybe. who that is. Yeah. Well, Garak in Deep Space Nine is a guy who uh, gave up running a tailor's shop on... Um, uh, Cardassia to run a tailor shop on Deep Space Nine, and everyone's like, why? And he's like, ah, that's for me to know, and you not to find out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he is also, the picture of him is Hudak from Star Trek Enterprise. Great. Uh, cool. So yeah, he seems to just be a combination of those two real Star Trek guys. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Great. Dumb. It, it is a bummer that they were so uncreative as to just be like, mm, let's do Garak's storyline again. Also, did you know that the, in the original writing of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, Garrick was supposed to have been uh, drummed off of Cardassia for being gay? No, oh, no, I didn't. It's pretty good. Huh. 
And then fucking Rick Berman, who's a piece of shit and everyone hates him, was like, you can't have gay people on Star Trek, it's not allowed, so they made him have, like, a weird, creepy sex affair with, like, an 18-year-old girl instead. Damn. Damn it. Yeah. That's such a shame, because, like, one of the last things Gene Roddenberry was pushing for in Next Generation before he kick the bucket was like, uh, we need to get a gay character on there. It's like, we should have done it in the original series. It's yes. time. Yeah. Yeah, there's a whole like, uh, there's actually a whole Renegade Cut video about how Rick Berman was extremely conservative and extremely anti the, like, utopian message that Star Trek was about. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. they put him in charge anyway, and so he, like, sexually harassed every woman who was ever on the show, and it's very depressing and sad. But- He's not allowed to do things anymore, which is why uh, Star Trek Discovery has an extremely prominent gay couple as two of the main characters. Yeah, Star Trek Discovery <laughs> is is kind of like reaching back towards the vision of uh, inclusion and discovery, which is nice. No pun yeah. intended. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I got a random page. And okay. I have put it. Yes, I have put it in the chat. Uh, this is Jethrick. Jethrick oh, no. was the chief command officer aboard the USS Intrepid in the late 23rd century, uh, which is under the category of Star Trek The Intrepid Adventures. What is the a chief command officer? <laughs> yeah. The picture made me go insane. Yes. yes. It's a little out. like a zwinky kind of <laughs> <laughs> yes. pixel drawing of a uh, person wearing the classic Star Trek uniform with a, I guess, yellow shirt, although it looks lime green, and yes. he is like a Mr. Clean kind of bald man. Uh, early life before the Intrepid. Jethrick was born on October 8th, 2236, human calendar time, <laughs> on the planet uh, Delta IV in the city of Betsalamin. So I clicked on, there was a link for Chief Command Officer, because that doesn't sound right. Mm-hmm. And looking at it, uh, it is not a thing. Like, on all of the other ones, like Chief Medical Officer, there are examples from the show and the books of, like, here are some people who are those things. For Chief Command Officer, it's all just fan fiction characters. <laughs> okay. It, it seems to be an umbrella term for whoever the highest ranking command track uh person on a ship is, but I think in shows and movies that's always been a captain or admiral. Yes, and what else could it be? <laughs> I mean, like, if the captain isn't there, or if it's a crappy ship and they're like, we're not gonna have someone who's a captain command this one, you'll just be like a, a lieutenant that is in charge of the ship. Uh, I guess that's never happened in Navy, though. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. That seems to be the impression I'm getting from this, though. I understand, but I feel like it's based on a misunderstanding of how military hierarchies work. Mm, Starfleet's not a military, how dare you? Uh, in what way is it not a military? <laughs> uh, theirs is a mission of peace and discovery. Mm, yeah. I mean, like, you can say that. Like, <laughs> anyone can say that. Are people uh, in na NASA, are they counted as being in the military? I don't think so. Okay, because I that's, always that's felt like Starfleet was like the NASA of the future. Yeah, but, that's why they made Space Force, because NASA's not a branch of the military. But until very recently, 100% of the people who became astronauts had military training. Yes. Mm. Um, 
it seems to be, uh, you're right that this is made up for fan fiction because I searched Chief Command Officer Star Trek and Jethric and the article for Chief Command Officer <laughs> are the first two results. Yes. Out of 653 results on the entire internet. Here's the thing. Command officers are broken into two categories on all of the Star Trek shows. Uh, engineering officers and security officers. And there's a chief engineer and a chief security officer. Why would you need there to be a chief command officer? What does that mean? Yeah. Is that over those two guys? Because they could just talk to each other. Yeah, it's probably you a MacGuffin. A you need them to show up and be above or below those other ranks as needed in mm. a story. <laughs> right? I guess. It's just baffling. Yeah. Security command track? Worf yes. always had a yellow shirt on. I thought that got lumped in with engineering and the red guys were command. I think you can get up to command from any track, actually. Mm. I think this is this seems to be using the rules of the... Uh, I don't know, actually. Because yellow... Hold on. <laughs> yeah, yellow in the original series was command, which right. I guess included security in that era, because it says weapons officer goes here. Yes. Yeah. But then yellow in Next Generation is engineering, was engineering and security. security, and science. I thought blue science. was science. Yeah, blue is but, medical but and science. Data, okay. but, but Data is the science <laughs> officer, and she oh, wears yellow. Damn it. Hmm. It's so complicated. <laughs> God, Star Trek makes no sense. <laughs> I yes. hate it now. I hate it now. <laughs> you always did. So, um, the species of this guy I found is a Delton, and apparently they are all bald and they have psychic healing powers. And I think Persis Kimbata from one of the Star Trek movies was a Delton. Yeah, Star Trek 1. Yeah. The first so, Star Trek movie, Persis Kimbata. Now, what's interesting to me is, under the information for Jethric, actor Matthew G. Mitchell, that's the actor who plays this character, that is a red link, so that is not a real person, I'm guessing. And I'm guessing that... The fanfiction involving this person is so complicated that it talks about the fanfiction as if it's an episode of a TV show that never happened. Could that be true? Mm, I think you'll find that Matthew G. Mitchell is actually a very famous Danish guitar player. <laughs> oh, okay, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> it's nice uh, to see you got work on Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, he had he got Parkinson's disease in 2014. Hey, shut up! <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad he's still fighting. There's through no it. reason up, for this to, this conversation to be happening. <laughs> I made the the only joke that was there, and now we can move on. <laughs> Why would you joke about Parkinson's, Matt? Jesus, <laughs> Jeff, you're so desperate to deflect blame this episode, <clears throat> or just um, randomly assign it. Yeah. Yes. Uh, okay. Well, no. What you're doing, Jeff, is you're you're thinking of the terrible joke that you don't want to say, and then you're saying somebody else made the joke that you thought of. Yep. Well, <laughs> accurate. <laughs> I won't okay. deny it. I got the random page. Star Starfleet Fourteenth Fleet. Uh, the Fourteenth Fleet was a numbered fleet in the United Federation of Planets Starfleet, active during the at least the twenty-third and twenty-fourth centuries. Mm -hmm. Admiral Guillermo Cajal was commander of the Fourteenth Fleet in the early twenty-third century. Okay, so this is just—I uh, mean, it's not even fan fiction. I don't think it's just a summary of here is a group of ships from yeah. the like uh, late TNG, early. Um, uh, uh, Deep Space Nine era of Star Trek. Do you think this uh, shield of the 14th Fleet, which is shown on the page, is fan-made? Because it looks terrible. 
Yeah, it's it's almost good. Yeah. It's the kind of uh, graphic design, like, graphic design is my passion yeah. <laughs> kind of thing, <laughs> where, like, you, it's just too cartoony in a way that I don't know that I could totally define. Yeah, it's got, like, weird 90s-style, like, drop shadows and stuff going on with yeah. it, and it's very yeah. busy. They yeah. appear to have just taken the, uh, like, one of the existing Starfleet mm-hmm. logos and added the 14 Roman numerals over it. Yeah, it yeah. says XIV over the classic uh, arrowhead-shaped Star Trek shield. Super big, like, covering up all of it. <laughs> it looks terrible. <laughs> yes. Um, this makes me ask the question, I read an article, actually I read a few articles the other day because I was curious about this. You guys know about how there was a lot of backlash against Star Trek Discovery because they felt like it was, like, being political against uh, conservatives and Trump supporters? Yes. Uh, I would have assumed that that was the case, but I did not hear about it specifically. (laughs) Yeah, so that happened, um, and a lot of people, myself included, were like, wait... (laughs) There are Trump supporters who like Star Trek. How? Yeah. <laughs> because Star Trek is all about a socialist utopian future where everyone is just nice all the time. Yeah. Um, and a bunch of articles and stuff were talking about how th- for people like us, by which I mean uh, lefty commies, uh, Star Trek appeals because it has this vision of the future where like uh, everyone just helps each other and it's all about science and and discovery and stuff like that. But for conservatives, it is also an ideal future because it shows like, see, everything would be great if we all just submitted to living under a fascist military hierarchy. Yeah. <laughs> and like, yeah, there is that in the, in the series for sure. <laughs> so that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I think it's just like, uh, it's that cartoon image where it's a guy saying, wow, cool spaceship, and then the message is going over <laughs> yeah. over his head. Yeah. Um, I like that you managed I, to work in a little bit of meme explaining in most of the yeah, episodes. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I communicate primarily through meme- memes. Uh, Shaka as the walls fell. Yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> Very uh, uh, applicable and, this time. Darmok and Gillard at Tanagra. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, Temba, some... his arms wide. Yeah. <laughs> Wow, it's weird that we remember so many phrases from this made-up Star Trek language, huh? Yep. Uh, and we, we know what they mean, too! What's the weirdest is, we are using them to reference a thing, mm-hmm. like, we're using the phrases that in the fiction of the universe were to reference a thing to make people understand a concept mm-hmm. that couldn't be otherwise expressed. <laughs> and now, we are using it to reference that episode to express a concept that we can't otherwise express! Yeah, it's exactly oh perfect. God. Jeff, you just have a space in your brain for memes, and that slots right yeah. in there. That's why you're right. Yep. When you were a kid, the only thing that could fill that space was that one episode of Star Trek <laughs> The Next Generation, which is why yeah. it's still in there. Because YTMND.com hadn't invented memes yet. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> until until Mr. T started eating balls, you had nothing else to do with <laughs> exactly. that part of your brain. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that stupid goddamn joke from 2001 or whatever. Uh, oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, let's stop doing this show forever. 
I feel like I had something <sighs> to, to say about Star Trek, but it's gone. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, there's the people who are like, RoboCop's not political. Oh, yeah. yeah. And they will also watch Star Trek. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's very true. Oh, man, it's... It must be so frustrating to be an artist or a creative person who puts things out into the world and people watch it or read it or listen to it and come away with exactly the opposite message of the thing you were trying to say. Yeah. Yeah. The trouble is you can't make somebody pretty cool but then also find out through the story that actually they're a dirtbag because a lot of people aren't going to find that out. They're just going to stick with the pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Warhammer 40k encountered this in, like, the mid-2000s when they introduced a uh, race that was, like, stand-ins for communists, and all of their conservative uh, fans got so mad that they decided to write in more lore that made those guys bad guys instead of good guys. No. Oh, no. Yeah. That was not the right way to deal with that problem. No. But you need to sell little paintable uh, statues to fascists, <laughs> well, I guess. Well, no, they, they made a comment... Uh, during one of the terrible race things that's happened this year, one of the many, they made a comment about how you could just, there's the door, if you don't believe in Black Lives Matter and stuff. So, I mean, yeah. that's good, at least. But, yeah. I, I do, I mean, maybe they've changed their tune, but as of the last time I checked in on this, um, most people were like, yeah, we really shouldn't use the term race to describe, like, elves and dwarves and stuff, but yeah. we're still gonna. That's not good. Yeah, that's true. Uh, D&D is working on it. Pathfinder uh, changed it. Yeah, so, Pathfinder yeah. was the only one that actually did anything, as far as I know. What did Pathfinder yeah. change it to? Uh, it Species, is now I think? Ancestry and Culture. Ah. So rather than just, you're an elf, you can be like, you're an elf, uh, but you grew up in this specific culture of elves, or okay. this different... I mean, it still has the problematic thing of now they've introduced uh, ancestry feats, so like, dwarves get special dwarf superpowers as oh, they no. <laughs> Uh Which, you know, well, I think for a fantasy setting, that's fine, yeah. but it does, it does lean into the eugenics thing yes. that people actually had a problem with. Yes, it does. But... Okay, the eugenics thing, though, I think discounts the fact that this is not supposed to be analogous to humans in any way. Like, in the in a fantasy world, there are all the different races of humans already, and we're not yeah. saying, like, elves are just like Asian people or whatever, like, and so that's why they're so good at archery, like, no, 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 no. <laughs> But different species of animals have different physical capabilities, and that's okay, too. Yeah. I guess the trouble is they both come from the same human nature thing, which is eugenics and these fantasy stories both come from the idea that you want to be able to have a narrative to everyone's life, which is crazy and terrible and harmful in the real world. But yeah. everybody really wants that, so they try to write it. It becomes a weird thing because uh, the only sentient humanoid species in real life is humans. Yes. So when we try to imagine a world with other sentient humanoid species, uh, we're bringing all of our baggage with us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You just keep rewriting Jewish stereotypes over and over, <laughs> basically. <laughs> I mean, you'll notice I didn't use dwarves in my analogy for that exact uh, reason. <laughs> yeah. But no, like, I think I think you could make an absolutely airtight parallel between elves and Asian people. Frankly, maybe I don't yeah, know. I was curious I which race pull, you were going to go with for elves. I just tried to pull whatever I could think of, and if that actually lines up, then I'm sorry, but that was not my intention. Um, all I'm saying is 
if you want to make a game where you can play as like a fantasy race and have it actually feel like a different thing, mm-hmm. like this time I'm playing an elf, so the gameplay will be different than if I were playing a dwarf. Like, I think that you need to have those differences. I think- yeah, I think superpowers is definitely better than, like, elves get a plus one to handsomeness. Yeah. <laughs> I think the hard part is, uh, we understand how different cultures develop with different hierarchies. Like, we see that in the world, we can mm. kind of understand that. But then we try to make that an innate feature about that race of people, and that's always a bad thing. Yes, for sure. And, like, I do always get uncomfortable when a book will be like, and all dragonborns are honorable. Yeah. And I'm like, well, honorable is a personality trait. Yeah. That's not... So, like, yes, that I absolutely agree with. You shouldn't have, like, emotional things be tied to your biology. Yeah. Um, but I think you can have biological things tied to your biology, like yeah, like dark dragon- vision or something. I feel like that's yeah, totally or like fine. dragonborns are just stronger or physically larger or whatever. Yeah. I think that that's normal and fine. Yes, yeah. But I think people always want to dip into more personality traits, which is a problem. It's, yeah. it's certainly a weird. It's like a tough. Uh, what do you say? Line to walk. Yes. yes. Needle to thread. Row was- to hoe. Yes. All uh-huh. these things. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Anyway, we're done with this show, right? Yeah. Star Trek has a bunch of racist forehead aliens. The end. (laughs) That's true. Although, I do think that Star Trek Discovery is doing a pretty good job of showing that the worst uh, traits of the Klingons is how much they are like human conservatives. Yeah, I I also think that they have definitely done uh, the visually second most racist Klingon design. Oh, have they? I haven't even seen it. At least they're uh, not in blackface anymore. Well, uh, they kind of are literally painted the color black, some of them. Yes, mm. but not, like, painted to look like black people. Is my Yeah, point. that's true. It's not Christopher Lloyd with brown makeup and a Fu Manchu mustache yes, anymore. Yes, that's, that's the most <laughs> racist one you can do. For sure. Why are we still talking about Star Trek? God damn it. End the show, Matt. (laughs) All right. Thanks, everyone, for listening. If you like the show, please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, Please let your friends know about the show. That's the best way we can grow. If you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Twitter, at HackTheNetPod. And uh, if you want to talk to us directly, you can join our Discord by sending us a message on social media. I'm on social media, at Matt Heron, at Mastodon.online. Go to your URL bar and type in the following URLs to find me, mastodon.social slash at jeffjk. Could you describe what type means? Uh, You touch the keys on your keyboard with your fingies. What are keys? (laughs) Uh, They're the little squares that have the letters on them. Mm, Okay, got it. All right. Uh, I mean, I guess you don't have to touch the keys with your fingies if, like, you don't use your fingies to type. You can blow into your hose or use your, like, swipe touch or whatever. Could could I ask Siri to uh, look up this web zone for me? Yeah, you could do uh, voice <laughs> typing of any kind. Siri, okay. Alexa, mm-hmm. um, hey Google. I'm gonna try to activate everyone's <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna phone. say, so this is the portion of the show where we ruin everyone's phone. <laughs> yeah, uh... Xbox, start Netflix. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, hey Siri, also- delete all contacts. Sorry. It really did. Get her. Get his ass, Siri. 
uh, Instagram and Snapchat, Jeff JK. That's fine. <laughs> that's all my stuff, girl. Oh, sorry. I got all caught up in the yelling and screaming. <laughs> Good. That's the best part of the show. <laughs> uh, you can find me on social media at Louisa at Macedon.xyz. All right. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening. Uh, if you did, please come back next time. But in the meantime, please remember to keep your pockets on Shrek. End of podcast. Engage. Do your job!